Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Horror Apocalypse. I am joined once again by your co-host Ian. Sup, guys? Uh, today we're bringing you our first ever versus episode. Um, I've I've seen this format in in several podcasts, and I really actually enjoy it. I love where you take two movies that are very similar, um, or have something that that kind of links them together. You watch them, you review them, and see which one comes out on top, which one's the winner. Uh, so today's episode is I see London, I see France. And actually, um, basically what we are doing with this episode is we are taking American Werewolf in London and comparing it to American Werewolf in Paris. The uh, I know it's considered an official sequel, but it's just... Uh, anyway, let's not spoil it too much. <laughs> um, today, though, uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, our horror side quests. Uh, Ian, what was your horror side quest for the last two weeks? For the most part, just looking up different things about werewolves to get into this mode, see how if it links up to any of the original themes or myths about them, and just getting ready to watch London, because that's one of my favorite movies. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I was... Actually, I left the first episode, the first versus episode, up to you to kind of pick what the movies were going to be. Um, and I really... I was shocked. And to be honest, that's my first note when we started uh, taking notes on the movies last night. That was my first note. I was shocked and surprised with how much you knew about this movie. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know you love this movie as much as yeah, you do. It's, I'm addicted to the thing. It, every little detail down to who his first kill is, where it is, how it is. I, I love it. So let me ask you something. Cause I, I know I was, a, I'm a huge werewolf fan. Um, but I don't remember, I remember watching dog soldiers, I think with you and, um, something like that. But I don't, I don't remember watching American werewolf in London with you. So how did you, uh, discover this movie and how did your love for this movie grow? Accidental cult classic. I was just, I think uh, for a little while it was on Netflix during one of their Halloween kicks and was with an ex of mine, which shall stay unnamed, that Voldemort, and kind of just went on. I was like, you know what, screw it. This looks pretty good. Let's try it out. And it was probably about six years ago that I officially watched it. And it was, I was online, she was online. We just kind of like had each other on the phone. She was like, I'm going to hate this movie. I was like, I'm probably going to hate this movie. And then it was my cult classic. So what about uh, American Werewolf in Paris? How did you discover and get into that one? Uh, um, I've realized that the same producing company, not so much the same director, but the producing company, had also come out with American Werewolf in Paris. Mm -hmm. And it was set more in the future, more like modern times, for myself anyway. And was like, you know what, let's see how this goes. It can't be that bad. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll save that for the review. Um, all right, well, you know, for me, my, my horror side quest, um, I went and saw Truth or Dare in the theater um, I'm sorry. this past week, and it is horrible. And it, it's killing me. I, you know, I wasn't sure about it. When, when I first saw the trailer, I figured, you know what, fantastic, a horror movie. Um, you know me, I'm going to go see a horror movie in the theater no matter what. I want to mm-hmm. support it. I want um, any horror movie that goes to the theater. I want it to make some money. So I'm going to give it some of my money. And um, so I went and I saw Truth or Dare. It had a decent idea, but I didn't care about any of the actors or actresses in in the movie. Uh, I thought the the woman who played Olivia, um, I thought she was, what was her, Hale? Uh, Hale, um, not Lindsay Hale. I forget her first name. Um, I thought she was absolutely adorable. 
so she was an aesthetic to the movie, but it wasn't enough to make me, you know, forget everything else that's wrong with this movie. <laughs> um, for example, uh, again, I, I can't remember the actress's name, but she plays uh, Jesse Quick in the Flash TV series. She plays uh, the character Marky in, in this one. And it seemed like every five minutes, Marky is yelling at Olivia, I can't trust you, I can't understand, I, I can never, you know, believe anything you say again. And then five minutes later, she's trusting her life, you know, in, in Olivia's hands. And she's like, I love you, I'll always love you. Yeah, come on, you can't. And it was over and over and over again. I love you, I trust you, I'll never trust you again. How could you do this to me? I love you, I trust you, I'll never trust you again. If it did it one more time, I really wanted to get up and walk out of the movie. There was just Jesus. it was ridiculous. The the demon um, had a great uh, plot as to how the demon came to be. Mm -hmm. I thought that was friggin' fantastic. Basically, and spoiler alert, guys. So if you haven't seen Truth or Dare yet, or uh, you want to see it, I would say go ahead and fast forward about you know, five minutes. But uh, the the way this demon came to be was it was in this uh convent for for little girls it was like a, a catholic school uh where the the children were boarded and the priest would hold um uh what, what's it called hide and seek with uh, the little girls and the first little girl that he found would be his plaything quote unquote that's uh, rapey for the exactly exactly <laughs> um for the uh for the duration, and all the other kids had to stay hiding until the game was done. Um, oh, no witnesses. Nice. Exactly. So this one little girl, I guess, uh, constantly was being found, and she ends up finding this uh, spell to summon this demon, and um, that's what causes the, the game truth or dare. And it's just, it was a horrible, it, that was a great premise. The idea was, was there. The execution was bad. The execution was horrible. 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 <laughs> to quote the whitest kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would go see this movie again, but it was just too horrible. <laughs> but anyway. I so I watched that and you know, Quiet Place. I don't know if I mentioned it during the last episode, went and saw Quiet Place, and that was fantastic. Um I've never watched a movie before that made me feel guilty for my snacks. So <laughs> um I would highly recommend Quiet Place to anybody, and I'm shocked that uh, John Krasinski was the one behind it. When you know, watching him through The Office and stuff like that, I f I see him more of as a comedy figure, and then this dramatic horror type role. Oh my god, it was just un unbelievable. But that was that was my side quest. Um, you prepped for this movie, so that's great. I see when I'm comparing notes last night after the movies, you dwarfed mine. Full sheet. Yeah. Full you, sheet. You've got like a, a page and a half of notes to my half a page. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I know we, we veered away from it. Um, I, to be honest, I forgot about it a couple of times. With some of our past episodes, I, I mentioned I wanted to open each one with a quote kind of dealing around um, what, with what our episode was going to be. So um, you may have noticed in some of the older ones, there was sort of a an edit where I went back and recorded something really quick and then spliced it into the recording. But um, I'd like to get back on track with that. So today's quote is uh, werewolf-themed. And um, I actually really liked this one. It's from uh, Kelly Armstrong. And it is, uh, the truth is, if a werewolf behaved like a psychopath, it wouldn't be because it was part animal, but because he was still too human. Only humans kill for sport. 
And I actually, I really liked that, that quote. It's, as a werewolf fan, I mean, I even have a werewolf tribal tattoo uh, on my leg. I, as a werewolf fan, I like that. You know, it, it doesn't make the animal the villain. The villain is still the human within the, the beast. And I, I think you see that a lot with, with um, at least with American Werewolf in London. You know, you, you had, and you see it in the end when uh, Alex is walking up to uh, David and, and he's in that, that beast form. I can't believe we're jumping right to the end. But he's in that beast form and she's walking up to him and you can see the, the change in the, the facial shape where he kind of recognizes her. And I think it reali- he realizes at that point um, nothing can be normal. And that's why he makes that. You know what? Let's just save that for the end of the review. There we go. So, <laughs> At least we're going in some kind of order. Exactly, exactly. So uh, let's go ahead and start with American Werewolf in London. It's yes. from 1981. Uh, ratings are a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I thought is fantastic, and a 60 Metacritic score. Um, now that is, I think it was based off of only six reviews, but and one of them being um, Ebert uh, from way back in the 80s so and he, he didn't give it a good review at all <laughs> I think no. he, his was the only one that was in red but um this is one of those movies that when it came out it did not it was not received very well mm-hmm. uh it got very bad reviews it didn't um pick up and get what i consider the um the recognition that it deserved until much later on in, in its life um and to be honest i mean i didn't I don't think I saw this movie until maybe 1990. So I was about 15. The movie itself had been out about nine nine years when it came by the time I saw it. I don't think I saw it any earlier than that. Um, so it did feel kind of dated for me when I first saw it. But I went into it knowing about um, Rick Baker because at that point in time, you know, I was I was really into horror movies. I wanted to be a special effects, you know, makeup artist and. Uh, Troma, I think, had a studio down here in Central Florida at one point in time, and um, I wanted to go and be an apprentice there, and it never panned out. It never worked, but um, knowing who Rick Baker was and how much of a god in the the special effects world he is, uh, I went into this knowing he did the effects for it. It was so pivotal in werewolf transformation, and that's probably the biggest scene in this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that in the theater scene, which you know a lot about. <laughs> so, what, what about you? What's your favorite uh, special effects scene in this? When it comes down to the uh, special effects, it kind of stretches across um, that with Jack, how throughout the movie, every one of his appearances with David, he's a little more rotted or more decayed, and you can see like in the movie scene, when he appears in the seat next to David, his cheeks are starting to rot out. And in underneath the flaps of skin, you can see the teeth. And they went as detailed as to pay attention to the fact that underneath all of this, there's still more body to rot. And I, I did not to interrupt you, but I did like in that scene as well. Um, you can tell it's it's kind of a puppet head uh, that they're using, I, I think, um, in the way the jaw was moving. But even still, that... that on the right hand side of his face that strip of skin no that that was the stretch from his top jaw to his bottom jaw even that you could still see move when he talked and mm-hmm. and almost clinch like sometimes when we're sitting there and we're getting angry with something and we clench our teeth you could see that ripple in the side of our our jaw and you could still see that in in that 
uh, in in uh, Jack's face. I, I thought that was really cool that they went so far to do that. Yeah. And then, of course, to reference, as anybody who's seen this movie should know, the transformation scene, what went into it, well, the original transformation scene, what went into it, the process behind it, and the fact that, as opposed to most werewolf movies where they just kind of rip their clothes off and next thing you know, they're furry, this actually shows the pain of everything stretching and contorting out and him shaping into the wolf. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, so other than uh, special effects, um, what else did you really like about this movie? Just the showing of, like, the decay of David's mental health. Not to use decay every other sentence, but the decay of his mental health with... The deterioration. Thank you. (laughs) But it from the start when they were in the slaughtered lamb, and you could see that he was kind of weirded out, but he was fine. He was fun. He was playful. And then after the attack, through the hospital visit, going home with Alex, you see him slowly start to snap every single time Jack comes to see him. It gets worse and worse throughout the movie. And it just kind of sticks with actual like human emotion. Like You have to sit back and think, how would I react if a frickin' werewolf just ripped my friend into pieces and then that said friend continues to visit me? Well, I can, I can tell you for, for my aspect on this one thing i wouldn't do is take a stranger home leave alex alone okay (laughs) i she's a struggling nurse in 80s england i said that there while we were watching the movie what in god's name would possess anyone to sit there and go and especially after he's telling her the story of how he's losing his mind his dead friend has come to visit him and he (laughs) when she comes in the room he's half crawling up the wall what made her go Hey, come home with me. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love this movie. I really do. Um, and it, I, it really confuses me why it's considered a horror comedy. Because I didn't... There are some parts that you laugh at. But there, I don't think there is a single horror movie out there that I haven't laughed at. So, you know, I, I they're not comedies just because I laughed at certain parts of it. And that's that's what kind of went, confuses me with this one. How? Why is it considered a comedy? I guess, like, there's parts where... Sorry, uh, we're animal lovers here, and my cat is going insane. Well, Michael's cat is going insane. Hi, cat. (laughs) But I guess throughout it, David kind of seems like he's playing his part a little too hard, I guess. And with that being said, people considered it comical. You mean, like, the acting was over the top? Yeah. It was... Everything was kind of extra, but... It got, also just kind of goes with the time, to be honest. I got that when he was dealing with, um, when it was David and Jack, their interactions. Not so much when it was David and Alex, except for after his the first time he, you know, got his, his rocks off, so to speak. And then <laughs> he was, he's hunting her down and playing with her and tickling her and, and stuff like that. Um, so I, I did, I could see it in that aspect, but... Um, I just, I don't see it as a comedy whatsoever. Um, it has funny moments, like you said, but that yeah. doesn't make it comedy. Yeah, exactly. Um, now one of the things, speaking of going insane in this movie that I really enjoyed, and it, you had sort of an inception feel with this, his dream when he's still in the hospital and Alex is, is watching him and he has that dream that he's back home and, um, 
someone's ringing and banging the door and everything and the father gets up and walks across i'll get it i'll get it and his brother and sister are enthralled with what's on tv and his father opens the door you're greeted by this this quick glimpse and it's it's so fast you're almost in shock of did i really just see what i think i saw and it's these like zombie werewolf looking creatures they're creepy raver pigs thank you right <laughs> and they're they like they're make this god-awful pig squeal screeching sound and then they come in and start laying waste to everybody in the family killing the kids and the mother and the father and the whole time there's one behind jack holding his head back with a knife to his throat and at the end slices his throat and he wakes up and he's like oh my god what the hell was that and he thinks he's awake and then another one of them comes out and it's <laughs> swoops through the hospital window and kills the nurse that was helping him yes bringing him the food and then he wakes up again and he's like oh my god what the hell was that (laughs) (laughs) and you're thinking all right one more one more one more and then that you know it kind of sets you at ease at that point but i loved that aspect i could actually watch an entire movie of just that him thinking he's awake and then the zombie werewolf pig creature things jump out in their, their World War II uniforms. Zombie raver pigs. Got it. They they jump out and lay waste to everybody and he wakes up and it starts all over again. You know, I... So, so in Inception with a twist? Yeah. yeah what a twist? <laughs> We're not M. Night Shyamalan, I don't know. So. <laughs> But yeah, the, the screaming Nazi wolf soldiers. I would I would watch a whole movie based around just them in that that little dream wake up part. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked over I think at one point and you were you were kind of laughing to yourself during that scene. What what did you think of it? I, it's just the fact that like they were getting so extra that everybody was already dead. David was already in this lock with this creepy raver pig, and they just kept shooting plates. Yeah, there was no reason. <laughs> fuck you plate i don't like this plate i don't like that plate okay we're good we can burn the house down now (laughs) what exactly exactly um was there anything that you weren't a fan of in this movie um before you answer besides the nipple count look i was very (laughs) mad there was only one it was an incomplete set if you if you need a salad fork and a dinner fork and you only get a salad fork, you are mad that you didn't get the dinner fork. I actually prefer the smaller fork. Well, her left nipple was my dinner fork, okay? <laughs> wow. That, that was just one of my notes and I had to, to come in. I don't really care if you found anything bad about this movie. I just had to talk about you and your, and your love of nipples. <laughs> it's like a party hat. What? They make them like the party hat. If you don't have it, then you just kind of have a head, and it's weird, and you need the completion. You can get all the under boob and... Shut up. Stop looking at me like that. God. This is the one time I wish we were broadcasting in video so people could see my look. What the hell are you... How are... Because we got under boob, we got the side boob, we got the whole thing. Except that part. What does that have to do with party hats? Because it's the party hat. Boop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, we're done with that. Moving on. Moving on. Anyway. uh, Uh, About the Yankees. Shut the... We're Red Sox fans here, by the way. So I don't know why you mentioned Yankees. I'm done. Leave. You know what? No, your punishment is we're going to talk about American Werewolf in Paris. What? (laughs) But... I didn't get to comment about Creed and Clearwater Revival. 
the dude. lack of titty in the movie. We actually just talked about that. You called them party hats, remember? <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, go ahead. Look at your notes and let's talk about it. Well, the one thing that I had to notice, and it kind of continues on through it, this movie spans, I mean, after the attack, because he's in the hospital for about three and a half weeks. He, when Jack first appears to him, he's still, like, freshly murdered. It's, the flesh is still fresh. I can rhyme now, I guess. He's still bloody. He's still properly colored. Everything, it's like it just happened the night before. Mm -hmm. Three days later, body parts are falling off. So you think the, the decomposition was too fast? Yes. But and he's not an actual living body. This is just a, a spirit. And I don't think... I think that, that representation is when he when Jack is, is showing himself like this to David, it's showing that the further or the longer it takes for David to die or kill himself or whatever, the worse it's becoming for Jack. He's becoming less and less of what he was. Mm -hmm. um, so that humanity or that spirit that's, that's within him, it's getting less and less. That's what I kind of took that decomposition as. Okay, that's actually a good point. I was, I was seeing it more as trying to keep it real because I know like in the end um the who was it I believe it was the yeah it was the British guy on the train that you thought was German because of his tie <laughs> his tie was the German colors it really was speaking of the whole Nazi thing Jesus the this black is a great time black red and yellow yeah. but he says that he was a fresh kill and mm -hmm. by this point he had already gone through the couple which was that night gone through another night killed hobos and gone on and was saying that this was a fresh kill, whatever, it might be kind of traumatizing. So showing that there's still some time to it, mm -hmm. that it's based on time. Yeah. And with that, the fact that they made that reference, but it took four days for Jack to go from a brand new body to like withering, didn't really bug me. It didn't affect the story that much if you look outside of that point, but that was one thing that did actually kind of bug me, okay. minus nipple count. Well, yeah. That scene in particular with with the the guy in the train is probably one of my my second favorite uh, scene in in the whole movie because I this one of the first times you get to see the wolf and it's so minuscule uh, on screen you if you blink you're gonna miss it when he's when, at the top of the escalator and it just starts you know the the creature starts slowly coming into frame um, and that that kind of is the first time you're actually getting a size comparison as well because he's not he's not like a wolf what i kind of liked about this particular uh werewolf is it's more quad quadruped it's it's all four feet on the ground um and it looks almost like a mix between a bear and a wolf so mm -hmm. to be honest it kind of reminded me of the lichens from underworld and i actually really enjoyed the lichens from underworld even though they're CGI, and that's part of our problem with with uh, London or American Werewolf from Paris coming up, is the Ugh. the CGI werewolves rather than the practical uh, effects. So, but I love that scene where he he slowly comes in, and the second you're about to see a full one of him, a full panel of him, he's gone and mm -hmm. goes right into the next scene, and that that leaves it up to your interpretation as well. How did he die? You know, did he really kill this guy on the escalator? All you get is that that first person shot of the coming up the the body of the guy till it's face to face and then it's gone 
Mm-hmm. What else did you uh, want to discuss? With that, I mean, of course, everybody loves Creedence Clearwater Revival in any form of soundtrack. That is by far one of my favorite 60s bands, and it delves into the 70s. And the creepy Rainbow Fairy Gang on the train when Alex was first <laughs> yeah. taking them home. What? What? <laughs> what? What is that? Why is that a thing? That was the style. I'm glad I wasn't alive then. <laughs> Dear God. Uh, well, think about it. There, um, what was that? Uh, that band, Orgy. I think it was Orgy. Somebody in there had that buzzed head with the the leopard prints or, or something. Yeah, it kind of mimicked the band for the most part. Yeah, to an extent, but it was still like. But I, that that I, in the movie was. Uh, what a decade and a half, almost two decades before uh, Orgy. So maybe yeah. Orgy's mimicking them. Ah, oh, I found another cult fan. Hold on, I'm gonna have to pause this because I feel a sneeze coming on. So give us one second, folks. What? And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Seamless. Exactly. Um, no, I I did enjoy a lot of this movie. Now, um, anything else that you wanted to discuss? The fact that Mungo Jerry is in this movie, and I did not know he had any kind of cameo. Now, for for those of us that are, are unfamiliar with that, um, let's go ahead and remind people who Mungo Jerry is. That ascent that there, if you have never heard of Mungo Jerry, or you, you think you may not have heard of Mungo Jerry, that is Mungo Jerry. Um, now, you want to go ahead and explain what the relation is between that and... Okay. Well, in the transformation, you see the fur starts to grow. It's coming around his collar mostly at first, and it kind of goes neck down. So his face starts to get fuzzy. He grows, like, mutton chops that are as big as an actual mutton chop. He's got, like, a semi-beard not really going on. He's got the fur coming out by where, like, the color of his shirt would be. And it literally looked identical to Mungo Jerry. Mutton chops, the shape of it, the length of it. Kind of a train wreck, but, you know, that's that's none of my business. Yeah, you know, I, I, I saw the... And I didn't even think about it. And when you <laughs> we were talking about our notes as we're watching the movie, and you went, ah, Mungo Jerry. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And then it was like a light bulb just went off. I was like, oh, Bing. my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that... Um, I can't believe it took me, like, nine times seeing the movie to realize it. Right? right? Yeah. All right, so let's let's talk about this now. Let's give it our ratings. Um, now, a couple of weeks ago, um, well, probably more like a month or so ago, I, uh, so a few weeks ago, we, uh, created a sort of a questionnaire and it kind of helps us rate a movie. Um, some of the questions, you know, was the movie enjoyable? Did you empathize with any of the characters? Uh, one of the, the key points did we resist the temptation to grab our phone and go on Facebook or play a game or anything Oops. like that, that kind of helps, um, 
decide if the movie was good. I mean, mm-hmm. if I grab my phone and I get lost in Facebook instead of paying attention to what's happening on the screen, that kind of tells me it's not that good of a movie. If it couldn't exactly. hold my attention, I'm not part of it. Um, so each each question came out to uh, to be worth uh, 10 points each for a possible chance of being 100 points. Um, for me, I, uh, I ended up giving American Wolf in London 90%. Uh, mm-hmm. The only thing that I gave it a no for was, um, did you empathize with or were you emotionally invested in, in any of the main characters? And no, I didn't care. I mean, I I liked what was happening. I watched what was playing out on the screen. I thought that was uh, enjoyable, but I didn't care what happened to, to David. Um, Jack, I didn't care if he went to the other world, which we never find out anyway. So, I mean, we're just supposed to assume he did because David died, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't care about Alex. I, as a matter of fact, my, my number one thought, which I was laughing my ass off at, is the next time she brings someone <laughs> home. Because remember when she brings David home, the first thing she says to him was, you know, I, I got to tell you, I've had seven partners. Three of them were one-night stands. Well, what's the next one going to be? I've had eight partners. Three of them were one-night stands, and one was a werewolf. I mean, it's... And one was part dog. Yeah, I... So I didn't care about any of the characters. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really the only thing that I gave it a no on. But everything else was, I thought, extremely enjoyable. The plot was easy to follow. Yes, I did see there, poss- the, there being a possibility of sequels. Um, and the, the soundtrack and the score. I mean, the score was fantastic. The mm-hmm. soundtrack was almost the juxtaposition to everything that we were watching because you've got Creedence Clearwater Revival and you've got... Um, these happy-go-lucky, uh, almost folksy rock songs playing that really didn't match the horror that you're seeing on on screen. Um, so in a way, it did complement it because it helped kind of offset everything. Now, speaking of music and, and how it, it affects the, the movie, um, American Werewolf in Paris had a juxtaposition sort of... Um, uh, soundtrack and it was 90s grunge and that that will bring us into um, American Werewolf in Paris uh, now go ahead and we're going to go ahead and take a pause here and let you listen to the trailer and uh, I think you uh, even the trailer will have some of the, the music like mm-hmm. but they were very proud that Bush was in this soundtrack which I was a huge Bush fan in the 90s I loved it I thought it was great um but even that, there's only so much you can take. So <laughs> anyway, check out the trailer and we'll be right back. All right, well, as with pretty much any trailer, I think that covered all of the good parts of the movie. <laughs> uh, Mostly. Now... Uh, American Werewolf in Paris is sort of the polar opposite of uh, American Werewolf in London. Um, the ratings, they're actually pretty close on IMDb. IMDb gives it a 5.1 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic is about half as, as well. It's a 31 Metacritic score for Paris. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, though, is the complete polar opposite with a 7% on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Good. Um, now, this one was made in 1997, and you can kind of kind of see a lot of uh of the 90s in this particular movie and unfortunately that's a problem with with most movies that came out in the 90s they had so much in common so much similar that none of them really stood out from each other so that's i was not a a huge fan of this going into it um 
and even I remember when it came out in the theater, uh, a bunch of us, I think, um, Chris and, and I, and, um, I think a group of us went and we saw it in the theater and even then I was this, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> so I, I was not a fan of, of this movie ever, uh, to be perfectly honest. And it's sad. I really wanted a good, um, a good sequel to it. And it, and it, because American Werewolf in London is such an, an icon in the, the horror genre, we kind of expect that. And anything that comes out with it, we hold it against American Werewolf in London. So when we see these alternate cuts of London or we find out that there's a sequel, you know, coming American London, American Werewolf in Paris. Um, and, and worst of all now, uh, John Landis, his uh, son, Max, is actually remaking American Werewolf in London. We have to hold it against the original and say, will it live up? Will it have the same appeal that the, the first one had? And I'm I'm afraid it won't. Nope. It's that was the curse with this one. It. Because it came out, um, what was it, 16 years after the first one, by that point in time, London has already gotten a, a cult following. And it's people, got its notoriety. Exactly. People are noticing Rick Baker. And when you substitute the practical, awesome, you know, revolutionary special effects with CGI, and horrible CGI at that, I felt like I was watching a PlayStation uh, 2 game, that it just it didn't work. And yeah. this this movie was doomed from the beginning, right from its uh, Tim Burton Batman style opening with over the top orchestral music. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that I thought it was doomed ever since then. Well, did, we had mentioned your first note for London. My first note for Paris was already hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I think we got to where they're like on the tram. I got through the weird, awkward introduction of like camera flying everywhere and going through the city and now they're sitting on the tram they haven't even spoken yet and i wanted to hit stop and go home <laughs> yeah this this movie is is pretty bad yeah you know and um none of the characters again none of the characters i cared about i didn't care what happened to any of them um except for well i think that back one one guy i thought was was really good what was his name uh chris you know, he was the one that I said during the movie, the, wow, he's actually pretty smart. for The athletic one, yeah. The friend in a horror movie. Um, you know, throwing his, making a, a retrieval with his clothes and then tossing his shoe to knock the key onto it and then dragging his clothes back because the key's on it. That was fantastic. I never would have thought of that. Yeah, no. I'd be sitting in the, the cell screaming and banging and, and trying <laughs> to dig my way out with a plastic spoon. I never would have thought <laughs> to do what, what he did. That was actually really intelligent. Then when that the legless werewolf falls over and is dragging himself towards him, and you know he climbs the door, jumps, you know, does this little parkour thing over him, and runs out the window, that was friggin' fantastic. How many people would just stand there and scream or try to fight a, a werewolf? I wouldn't stand or scream. I'd probably stand, curl into a ball, cry, soil something. Yeah, my thought that that again that would be my primary thought. Hopefully, the smell of my urine will scare him away. <laughs> but, <laughs> You know, Chris was actually pretty good. So I did care about Chris, even though he was a douche. And a lot of them were. I mean, even um, uh, not Andy. What was the other one's name? Brad, the, mm -hmm. the one that was keeping score for everybody in, in their daredevil uh, thing. Even with him, I didn't care. I No, I wanted him dead. Yeah. yeah. So what worried me, though, was this movie was in production for six years. Uh, John Landis himself actually uh, was supposed to direct... Um, 
one of his one of the screenplays that was in contention was his you know and they kind of went around him they ended up bringing in uh, Anthony Waller as the director they pick out a, a stupid as hell screenplay and then we get that pile of shit that we just watched mm-hmm. you know um so i was a little little upset with that especially how could you not knowing at this point in time the following that american werewolf london in london has not pull in john landis yeah you know um especially if you're going to be going like like i had said earlier it's the same production team so you you were there to work on the original mm-hmm. you watched that develop and then just screwed it all for yourself yeah now that could be too maybe john landis didn't want to use the cgi um he is definitely a practical effects kind of person so Mm -hmm. that i think would affect um the time the timeline for this movie because it's a little bit different to kind of hand somebody a video and say i need you to script in or edit in these werewolves you know and cut and paste as opposed to sitting sitting in a chair for four hours um, making the werewolf exactly exactly so that that could be part of it as well um but even still there really wasn't much um invested into this movie the the editing was choppy and horrendous um the uh i think my favorite part though to be perfectly honest is the irony the this the irony at the end when um what's his name uh andy in is him and Seraphine are, are running away and now they're in the um the subway uh tunnel and um what Claude Claude what mm-hmm. was his name comes in and they're fighting and they're doing their whole thing and the the train that's coming through causes this this train wreck and the conductor is the director Anthony Waller and to me that was irony you know, you've got the the conductor, the director, and this horrible train wreck, the movie. So <laughs> it kind of went hand in hand. I I was not, I don't know. I I was just very disappointed with this movie. And I think anybody who watch watch this movie, you're going to be the same way. Especially if you're a fan of American Werewolf in London, this mm-hmm. just did not hold up. Well, throughout it, like some points, the fact that you can see how flat the green screen is, there's no depth to it. It's it's like they took a painting mm-hmm. and used that as what they were going to project onto the green screen when they're on the Eiffel Tower. When he's setting up the bungee cord for him to jump off, it the building's right in your face. It's not the 450 feet below you like it should be. He throws that little piece of paper, and it goes straight. Yeah. It, it, there was no detail to anything. And Let's talk uh, reality, by the way, in, in that aspect. You're bungee jumping off the Eiffel Tower... You're going to hit um, metal before you hit ground. Exactly. It spreads. Exactly. <laughs> the base is wider than the top. And on top of that, his back is going back up at the speed that he was going, and he connected his head on a, a steel bo- a beam like that. The his... cameraman forgot to stop. He was going <laughs> that quick. Like, come on. on t- his head would have exploded. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's be honest. This is definitely... And, we, I mean, of course, we're dealing with werewolves, so they're really you kind of have to suspend some reality but but that doesn't mean it had to be developed by acme productions true True. (laughs) like i'm pretty sure wiley coyote ran in the background (laughs) well so that's who claude was you know what the oh yeah (laughs) all right i was waiting for that giant hammer (laughs) 
<laughs> to end the movie because I was down. pile of seraphine seed at the bottom. Oh anyway. my god. <laughs> um, I, I I will be honest though. One thing that I really liked from both of these movies is the fact that it still kind of humanizes the werewolf. They are not this mythical creature that you know you need a silver bullet to kill or only a loved one can kill um, the the werewolf and stop the curse or anything like that. These they could die by committing suicide and jumping off the Eiffel Tower. They can um, be shot in an alleyway by simple police guns and die. They could be shot by townsfolk trying to protect you using a, a simple hunting rifle and die. It's They were still mortal creatures, not mm-hmm. immortal mythical beasts. And, and I, I did like that. It kind of linked it not as much, but almost to like the undead realm because of the fact that there was a cure for it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, oh, you have to have this material and do something crazy and twiddle your thumbs for 30 minutes facing east or some stupid instruction. It just had something to do with the heart of whoever infected you. Now, speaking of that, um, uh, vial or the, the medicine or whatever, the cure, how did you feel about the serum in American Werewolf in Paris? Uh, that they were working on a cure to, to stop the, the lycanthropy, but it turned out to be... An uh, instant transformation. An almost instant transformation, yeah. I, it kind of brought back that Batman Gotham vibe thing. I, it felt like Bane. Mm-hmm. Like, they were nothing, and then all of a sudden they shoot themselves with a the little, like, heroin needle, and they were beast. And I didn't like it. It didn't... I gotta, Stay give true. You, I gotta give you points on the, the Bane reference. That's very good. I never would have put the, that two together. Yeah, nice. no. It, I didn't like Bane in, like, original comics and cartoons and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't like a reference to him in my movies. Please. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's sum it up. Uh, the movie was not good. <laughs> I was not a fan of it at all. Um... The the soundtrack, which I had hoped was going to be good, um, I heard Bush a couple of times, and that, that brought me back to my 20-year-old my self, so I enjoyed that. Um, what what do you... Back to your 20-year-old self? Yeah. I don't need your idea at the bar. It brought me back 20-something years. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I did enjoy some of those, but um, I... I don't know. That Paris was not a good one for me. It's not exactly something that I'm going to rush out and I have to own it because of a good story. Or I'm going to rush mm-hmm. out and buy it because I love the soundtrack. There is nothing that's going to make me want to buy this movie and add it to my collection. Other than once I get American Werewolf in London on Blu-ray. You'll have to have the second. I'll have to have the second one, yes. you know, It um, gave the MST3K movie kind of vibe. I yes. mean, like, through London, I'm sitting there, and granted, most of my notes, it was, like, comical. I kind of stayed to the funny side of it, so that we had, like, you would have more of the factual, this links into this, this links into that. I had the comedy side, the right. funny points in it. But in Paris, it was more me ripping at the movie. Like, when he runs out of the hospital room, and mm-hmm. he's holding the slipper, you're covered in bandages, you're like falling apart. You you should be dead. You have brain damage. Yeah. This nurse has no idea who the hell you are, and you just go boop. I have your shoe. What the hell? Next on a man and his nurse. What the? Yeah. <laughs> I did like that. You you had some some funny uh, cutaway 
titles on there. So, um, that actually leads me to to bring up. We're gonna try to at some point in time, and maybe for once we get Patreon going for our Patreon supporters, we'll um, we'll do a rabbit broadcast which is essentially we will stream a movie that we want to watch may not necessarily be part of uh one of our our reviews but we stream a movie and we pretty much um riff it to hell you know we make fun of it we're gonna crack jokes through it we're gonna talk about it we'll have our own commentary over it you may enjoy it you may hate us you may (laughs) want to tell us just to shut the hell up but um or in jack's words kill yourself i guess true true so what a good friend um, We'll keep you posted on that, but uh, if you have any recommendations for movies that you'd like us to to watch or discuss, you know, with you, you're more than welcome. Submit it, and if yours is picked, we'll let you know a date and time, and you can hop in and, and join us. Um, so uh, let's let's go ahead and talk about the ratings now. By the way, for Paris, before we get too far, uh, for mm-hmm. me, I gave uh, Paris a thirty percent. I gave it a whopping twenty, and that's because in one of them. I gave a pity point. So, it kind of the opposite now. Let's talk about what you clicked yes for with uh, with Paris. Well, with mine, I actually put a semi check mark under the plot being able or being easy to follow. Mm-hmm. It was all over the place. It bounced back and forth, but I still knew the gist of it because this kid's gonna get infected. He's the main character. He fell in love with some chick that fell off a bridge or a building, rather there's not much to miss there it's just the side points were hard so that's why that one got a semi check for me and then of course like you had mentioned the soundtrack Mm -hmm. it's 90s grunge rock I'm always going to vote for anything 90s grunge rock well uh, seeing as then you didn't put um, yes for did you resist the temptation to look at your phone tablet or PC at all uh, during the viewing of this movie the last 40 minutes I was on my phone what were you doing? I oh my god! I was on Snapchat for a little bit. I ended up messaging my girlfriend because I was like, you know what? I said we were going to be watching movies, but I'll just tell her it's over. <laughs> I I give up. I opened up a game or two really quick, and I was like, ooh, do I got something to do? Oh, he's looking at me. I should probably lock the phone. Hmm. <laughs> uh. Okay. Well, for me, uh, I agreed. I thought the plot line was was easy to follow because it was so simplistic and basic. There was there really wasn't much to. Um, there was no real formula to this. It's it's basic, same as it always is. Mm-hmm. Um, I did re- resist the temptation to look at my phone, nope. other than uh, picking it up to look up certain things to to make sure mm-hmm. you know, kind of review and and see that yes, that was Anthony Waller that that was in the the conductor seat, things like that. So the only time I looked at my phone was in relation to something that I was looking up on on for the movie. Um, and then was the story enthralling, relatable, and believable in the universe in which it was set? I clicked yes because I could I could see in this American Werewolf uh, series, I could see um, a sort of coven, basically, a, a pack of werewolves. I, I could see that as being plausible. Uh, as a matter of fact, it is rumored that the wolf in American Werewolf in London was once a member of this pack uh, in Paris. And that's how he... I don't understand how it ties together, but supposedly this pack is um, kind of worldwide. I got to see how that dives in. Yeah. Because I know, like, when Jack's talking to David, Mm -hmm. says that that was the last wolf in the line, but he spread the bloodline to David, and that's why David has to die to end the curse for everybody. Right. Because otherwise, David's death wouldn't even affect Jack whatsoever. Mm Mm-hmm. 
he's not the one that killed him. He is the one that killed Jack, though. David didn't kill Jack. No, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. It was the other wolf, and yeah. then it was the that other psycho, according to the police, that infected David that linked them together because of the mm-hmm. bloodline. Because they said it was the last of the wolf, the last of the wolf's bloodline had to die in order to lift the curse. And yeah, it continued, and David died, and he killed everybody that he came in contact with. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it, Paris just kind of completely Sucks. fucked over this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'll tell you what, guys, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we'll go ahead and once this episode launches, we'll put a poll up on Twitter and let us know which one you liked. Uh, did you prefer American Werewolf in London or did you prefer American Werewolf in Paris? And we'll start that discussion. Let us know what you what you thought. Um, if I can add the poll to Facebook, we'll also have it up there as well. And if anybody says Paris, I'm not speaking to them for like a week. Right, exactly. Um, now, again, speaking of which, don't forget to reach out uh, uh, with us, guys. Add us on so all the social media platforms. We are on Vero. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, be sure to add us on the Facebook. And we got the Twitter. Don't forget to twit us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, guys, um, listen, uh, by the way, we are... Uh, closing in on a, on a milestone download point for us so once we reach that uh, milestone we may hold a contest speaking of contests by the way um Jesus. we did have <laughs> two winners um because not very many people entered but we did have two winners uh for the contest as to what movies were going to be reviewed based off the tagline um with this so i want to congratulate larissa and i want to go ahead and congratulate dan um we are going to go ahead and send you guys a a horror apocalypse sticker you can go ahead and put that anywhere you want i recommend (laughs) i recommend anywhere (laughs) where people will see it so you can start that conversation and send them over to us so you guys are our free marketing thank you so now it is time for everybody's favorite part especially ian why this is our trivia why? you never warned me about this <laughs> i'm gonna give you your choice uh, of subjects we have aliens no. famous aliens killers um and a slasher film or heavy metal song Ooh. monsters jesus witches and ghosts walking dead which you did last week so yeah, we're actually so I'm not gonna, doing that one we're actually gonna remove that one and that's it. So, what would you like the your five questions to come from? Okay. Well, now that dementia set in, going through them all, what was that second one? There uh, was there was aliens, famous aliens. Okay, so not the second one. Killers. Killers. Is it real life killers like Ed Gein, John Wayne Gacy, etc.? It's a mixture. Uh, sure, I'll go with that one. Okay. Well, then let's start with a real real life killer one. Then. Sweet. Question number one. What real-life serial killer was known as the Milwaukee Cannibal? Jeffrey Dahmer? Yes. All right. High five. I, I promise I'm not going to be one. I, I study them a lot. All right. Well, then let's um, let's go ahead and keep it with uh, real-life killers. And let's say... Richard Ramirez. True or False. Charles Manson killed a total of six people in 1969. False. Exactly. That one was kind of easy. He didn't kill anybody. That is true. All right. How about... We're going to keep it easy again. 
What real-life serial killer became known as the Killer Clown due to his charitable services at fundraising events, parades, and children's parties where he would dress as Pogo the Clown? We were, we were talking about this in the car. It's John Wayne Gacy. Exactly. Now, you want to tell people why we were talking about John Wayne Gacy in the car? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, song. Dead Skin Mask. He, my brother looks at me and he goes, So, do you know who this is about? And I'm like, uh, no, I don't even know the song yet. Give me like three minutes to get into this and I might be able to tell you. And he looks at me astonished, like, it's Ed Gein, though. And as it's going through, we it gets to the end where the little kid's like, Mr. Gein, I want to get out. Okay, that's giving me nightmares. I'm not doing that again. But it's going on and we had said Ed Gein never even killed any children. It was more of the mid like mid-adult women and he was a grave robber and i was like yeah the children killer was john wayne gacy so we're not just creepy it was about a song but you made me sound creepy during that story thanks i appreciate that it didn't make you sound creepy all right moving on question number four we'll we'll keep it with real life killers thank you (laughs) because you're three for three so far can you make a four for four by answering at which Florida university did Ted Bundy attack five women in one evening, brutally killing one of them? Oh, my God. I hate you. Um, I want to say it's the University of South Florida, but I feel like I'm wrong. You are. Um, it's not UCF. It's not FSU. I can't remember. Is that your final answer? It was FSU, wasn't it? It was FSU. <laughs> uh, Three for four. All right. I so knew it, too, and I'm, I hate myself. The last one. Ready? Mm-hmm. It was marketed as a true story to attract a wider audience, but its plot is entirely fictional. Name this 1974 Toby Hooper film. Um, Okay. I have no idea. 1974. Based Hall- on a true story. Halloween. What? Scream. No. I don't know. Scream. I don't know. Oh, my God. Did you miss me saying I don't know the first three times? Oh, my God. Folks, you can write to Ian on Twitter. <laughs> you can also reach him on Facebook. Obviously, Snapchat, too, because he does that a lot. Let him know that he is completely in the wrong for not knowing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, first off, <laughs> the actual, literal, somebody chased a dude with a chainsaw, mm-hmm. false. Story behind it, true. Not really, not really. It, but the characters are made up. Like, for example, Leatherface is a, is a conglomeration of uh, characters like Ed Gein, for example. Mm-hmm. But none of that was, was yeah, factual. It didn't actually happen. Exactly. That's, that's why I got so confused, and I also don't know who Tommy Lupka or whoever the hell you Toby see. Hooper, you uncultured swine. Oink, oink. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then maybe that'll be our next one. We'll have to compare the original Texas Chainsaw to the uh, to the remake Texas Chainsaw. Why do you make me watch horrible remakes? It's, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Plus, wasn't it Jessica Biel? Jessica Biel is in that one. Yay. I could watch Jessica Biel's Bear Midriff all along. All day. Yeah. Can great. we just keep it on pause and I'll review that? No. All right. Um, so <laughs> Damn it. Anyways, 
Anyway, guys, thank you again for, for listening to this episode. This is our fourth uh, total episode and our first verses. This will be the start of a, a series again. I would love to, to do a bunch of these. Uh, if you enjoyed this one, please reach out to us. Let us know. And if you have any ideas for movies that we could pair up and, and uh, discuss, feel free to send them along. Send along a recommended uh, tagline as well because I really enjoyed I See London, I See France. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, guys, as I mentioned before, you can find us on Facebook at Horror Apocalypse. You can find us at, on Twitter at Horror Apocalypse. You can also find us on Instagram and Vero. Uh, we are not very active on Vero yet. It's a new social media platform, but um, we, we will be eventually. Don't forget also run over to HorrorApocalypse.com. You can find links to all of those social media pages in the Contact Us. Find some awesome recipes and coming soon some movie reviews once I transfer them from our old uh, website over to the new one. But, guys, again, thanks again so much. Don't forget, let your friends know about this uh, podcast. Get it out there. Um, and if you would like to uh, win a sticker, we will be holding more competitions here pretty soon. Yay! And speaking of competitions, there may be Ooh. one on the horizon. Um, once we get a pretty decent amount of followers, I'm going to see about uh, holding a, a sort of a charity fundraiser where we'll be... Uh, donating to uh, cancer research and um, there will be a uh... other donation of sorts yeah I'll uh, I'll pretty much just shave my head and once <laughs> we reach our goal I we will go on Facebook live and I will shave my head so anyway guys uh, thanks again so much I appreciate you listening uh, keep us going and um, don't make for... me watch these movies anymore <laughs> You make it sound like uh, we're on the satellite of love, and you're my my Joel. Okay. Whoa. Oh. Okay. Never mind. I took that a completely different route. I'm no longer scared. Anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> Any closing wanna... words? No, I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> All right. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks, good, and we'll see you next episode. Crying. <laughs>